Hello, everybody. Melissa Simonson here, and I am so excited to introduce you guys to this week's guest. This is the amazing, the fabulous, the well-known Amy Weiss. And Amy is, I mean, there are so many things. I Every time I, I introduce her, I can go on and on and on. She is a veteran. She, it, she has multiple degrees. She is an e-commerce expert. There are so many things she's good at. So I'm very excited to introduce you guys to her today and to talk a little bit about how she has traveled this path. Amy, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Melissa, for having me. <laughs> good to be so, here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really want to dive in. I want to, I want to find out exactly how, like what made you who you are, like what brought you along those path of choices. So first of all, like your parents, were they also entrepreneurs? No, no, <laughs> no. no. Um, my, uh, I, my, we, I was born and raised on a farm until I was five years old. Um, a farm in Seymour, Wisconsin. Uh, we had a dairy farm and um, we worked hard with, with that, right? Uh, but my dad also worked outside of the farm um, and he worked in, um, in building in wood. So he helped build like barns and, and um, structures for farming communities. Um, and my dad did not graduate high school. Uh, and he worked so hard to learn how to, he actually eventually became an architect and he learned how to do all the drawings and all the math and everything else. And, um, wow. he's one of my biggest supporters today. And I'm, I'm very, you know, proud of that. My mom and my dad, unfortunately divorced when I was five years old. Um, and my mom raised us the rest of the time, um, you know, I still saw my dad, but my mom raised us and she was very hardworking. We didn't, we were extremely poor. We did not uh, have a source of income when we left um, our farm and moved into um, kind of the city, right? right? And we did not, we didn't have a source of income. We didn't know where the next rent check was going to come from. We were not using food stamps or anything. There was, I think, a pride issue there. I don't know. Um, right. I don't remember. I was the youngest. Um, I'm the youngest of seven. Um, wow. Yeah. And so my, my closest brother and sister moved away with, with me when my parents divorced. And anyway, um, we started working from a very young age. Right. Uh, I don't remember a lot of my childhood being about being a kid. Um, it was always a struggle. So I just remember as young as I, I, was like at kindergarten, I walked to kindergarten by myself and um, kind of took care of myself. I started cooking dinner and stuff for the family at five years old. So uh, it was very, uh, I grew up very fast. I started working um, paper routes. We would recycle cans, whatever we could do to earn money at a very wow. young age just to eat. Um, and then, you know, so when it sounds I was like nine this was like old, a family effort as well, like yes. multiple of you. Yeah. Yeah, it was a struggle. You know, we we wanted to survive. You know, yeah. all all humans have this need to survive. So, um, yeah, I started working at at nine years old. Started babysitting for um, for a kid down the street, a toddler, um, 
And uh, just all summer long, I was working way more hours than somebody at nine years old should have been working, but that family was also very poor and they couldn't afford. Um, I just remember that kid didn't even have diapers. So there were many times when I was just changing the clothes on this kid, right? (laughs) Instead of diapers. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a, a difficult upbringing, upbringing, but, um, but a quick um, rise to adulthood, I guess you could say for a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I had this, this uh, yearning, even at a very young age to get out of that situation. I right. wanted more for myself. I, I knew I could do it. I like had something to prove. Um, my mother is the type of person who would look at my report card when I'd come home from school and she would see um, all A's, but one A minus. And she wouldn't say, oh, you did a great job on this. She would look at the A minus and say, fix this. And so for me, that really, it kind of put me into this situation where I was always trying to be better. I was always trying to make her proud, you know, Um, I was always trying to, to be something right. And then just, again, I had big dreams to get out of being really poor. And, you know, I was wearing hand-me-down clothes that I got made fun of a lot for that kind of thing. I was very overweight because I did not have good nutrition. And um, so, you know, all of that kind of made me work very hard. And I was always a straight A student and always trying to make my teachers proud of me and whatever I could do. Um, started working at McDonald's when I was 14 years old, um, wow. quickly became a crew chief there and um, was running shifts there. I knew every, I can still to this day, probably make a, a Big Mac with my eyes closed uh, <laughs> because I've made so many of them in my time. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I just, I've always worked really, really hard um, and I've always had something to prove. And so um, even then I I left, so I left Wisconsin. I got married very young. I left Wisconsin at 17 years old and moved to California and um, got a job at Target uh, as a cashier. Mm -hmm. And again, just went after that challenge. Like I I want a bigger challenge. I I, give me something else to do. Like I figured out this cashier thing. Can I work somewhere else? So they put me in the garden center. And um, in Seaside, California, where some of our clients had rose gardens the size of football fields. Whoa. And I started talking with people who would come to Target and want to buy flowers, right? And I would, they'd ask me about different plants and I had no idea. You know, I was like, well, I don't know, this one looks nice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know. And my mentor there, her name was Cindy. She was the garden center manager at the time. And, yeah. um, she knew everything about plants. <laughs> she could tell you the biological names of these plants. She would help people design entire gardens. When the vendors wow. came in, she would just be like, oh yeah, I want this, this, and this. And she was just, she was on top of it. And she was like, like my teachers who I, who I would latch on to and try to, you know. Oh, um, impressed and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just started learning from her and, um, and I wanted to learn about these plants. I wanted oh, to yeah. study them. I wanted to. And so I actually went and got, went to Clemson, um, later and got my nurseryman's certificate. Um, what? And, I didn't know that was a thing. 
Yeah, yeah. You have, you have to identify sticks and mud and tell what kind of plant it is. It's really fun. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I, I fell in love with plants and um, and uh, became kind of an assistant manager in the garden center. And then eventually she she left and I was promoted to an executive at Target. And wow. so I started in just in just a little over a year, I started in, um, as a cashier and I ended as a Target executive. And, um, and then my, my husband at the time was in the Air Force. And so we had to move because we were only in California for a short period of time. Yeah. And so we moved to South Carolina um, and uh, sorry, not South Carolina, Georgia at the time. And, um, and that's when uh, I just looked for another career, right? And so I've had many different careers. Uh, I got a job uh, managing inventory for a horticulture company. And uh, that's when I learned all about Excel spreadsheets and accounting. And, um, <laughs> and I, you know, just, I spoke Spanish at that job all day because all the oh, people wow. that worked there were Mexican, right? Yeah. So um, that was a lot of fun. It was a huge challenge and I was just so excited to step up to it. And yeah. that led to me getting a job at, um, at a home healthcare agency and working in accounts because I had learned accounting over here. Right. And I quickly grew in that job to yeah. be, have the most accounts of any accountant there. I had 27 accounts that I managed. Um, and so, and I was only 19 years old at the time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and so, but what I realized, Melissa, I always wanted to go to college. I always wanted to get a higher education. And what I realized is that I was never going to get promoted. They promoted mm -hmm. the people that, um, that had higher educations, right. uh, no matter how hard I work, like, why would they promote a workhorse? Right. Right. Of course. Then they're going to, they're going to lose all that work. Yeah, exactly. The most yeah. accountants were doing like six or seven accounts. And I had like wow. 23. So why would they promote? So I just, I quickly realized, wow, you know, I've got to do something to be able to get past this next hurdle. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I wanted to go to college. So I started going to college locally and, um, I quickly realized, unfortunately me and, and my ex-husband didn't, didn't work out, but it's all better now. You know, I've been married to my current husband for 16 years and um, we have two children and it's, it's wonderful. But um, so, you know, sometimes uh, things happen for a reason, but, yeah. uh, but either way, um, when that didn't work out and I was working at my accounting job and going to college and they didn't care if I had a class at night, mm -hmm. I would have to close out books at end of month. And, it, you know, and I was really struggling to try mm -hmm. and get through and so I decided to join the Air Force because I saw my ex-husband and what he was able to get done. He was able to go to school, have it paid for mm -hmm. and have all these opportunities and travel and everything else. And I was like, I got to do this. I have yeah. to do this. So I joined the Air Force at uh, 20 years old. I went into the Air Force and I turned 21 in boot camp. And, um, and that's what I did. Um, from there. So every tech school that I went through in the Air Force was no different. I was, I was a distinguished graduate at all my tech schools. I, whatever they would teach me, I wanted to learn. And in every job, I would find that person who had it figured out and I would learn from them. 
Yeah. And, um, and I just kept going and I did that for 18 years. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> and I met my husband and we had our kids and we moved all over the world and lived in different places. I lived in Germany. I lived in Korea. I've traveled all over to the Philippines and Australia and everything else. And, um, and yeah, so that's kind of who, if, if anyone ever told me that I would be an entrepreneur today in my forties, I would be like, what are you talking about (laughs) that, that, you know, um, but I've had a lot of careers. I've worked in a lot of different things and, um, and yeah, so that's kind of where it all began is, is from there to, to where I am today. So when you were going into the air force and you're like, okay, I'm going to be able to do school. I've got a plan now. Um, what did you think you were going to end up doing? Like, what, what did you want to pursue in terms of like tech school or a degree? What were you hoping for? Well, I, that's such an interesting question. Um, I wasn't sure, to be honest, I think I've always been on this quest to kind of find myself, you know, and figure out what I want to do. And I really like to learn. So Mm -hmm. for me, um, it was whatever I could learn. And so I started taking college classes and, you know, my military tech schools taught me that stuff, but I, then I started taking college classes at University of Maryland on the campuses at every Air Force base. Um, and, um, and I, I got my first degrees in, in business. So mm-hmm. my, I have a, a couple of degrees in business um, management and administration, but I also got my community college of the Air Force degree in aerospace technology because that's what um, my job was in the Air yeah. Force. And I was very fascinated by that. Um, and then uh, when I graduated with my bachelor's degree, um, I saw, I was inspired by all the people um, that were getting hooded, you know, that mm-hmm. were getting their doctorates or were getting their master's degrees. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. I want to be that person. Yeah. When I came back from Terp Stadium in Maryland after getting my bachelor's degree, I um, I started my master's right away. I started my MBA, and um, and I started taking these classes. And I was like, it's the same. It's the same <laughs> as my undergraduate. I want to learn this stuff again, right? <laughs> so I just decided, like, okay, I'm just gonna take a class in. I'm gonna switch my major, and I'm gonna take a class in cybersecurity. <laughs> I was fascinated by cybersecurity. It was incredible to me, this thought that somebody could steal someone else's identity that, you know, like I think one of the first papers I wrote was um, in my first class in cybersecurity was how you can actually scan someone's credit card numbers from across the room and then transfer those card numbers onto a blank plastic card and go use that card that you just made um on at a store and that is why rfid wallets exist because of that technology madness right (laughs) to me that was so fascinating and i was like wow like this is a world i don't even know anything about this is so cool and so i switched my major i put my mba on hold luckily my my um university of maryland has a dual degree program so i was able to get both master's degrees um but i put my mba on hold and i just 
focused on cybersecurity yeah. and uh, just started, you know, and I was growing in my career at the same time. Um, I took a new job. My husband got moved um, from one Air Force base to another, and uh, we moved out to Hawaii and I took a new job there in IT and I'd never worked in IT before, but the company Raytheon gave me a chance because uh, they said it was easier to teach me how to build servers than it was to teach um, someone how to target, how, you know, targeting. So I, I knew how to target because I had worked in all these, um, my job was mm -hmm. all about winning wars. So yeah. I, I knew targeting and they said, well, it's easier for us to teach you how to build servers. And it is for us to teach somebody who knows how to build <laughs> servers, how to target, put bombs on target. Right. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm down to learn this. You know? <laughs> and so I learned how to build servers. I learned how to do software. I learned, you know, all of that. And I got to travel all around with, um, with Raytheon at the time. And then I saw huh. a job opening to manage the entire weapon system for their operations centers. And that was what my previous career was in. And so the guy that was in that job um, left and moved to Korea and I walked into that commander's office and I said, I know this stuff really well and you need to hire me. I, I'm the best yeah. you're going to get in this job. And he called my bluff and he hired <laughs> me. And I was like, holy shit, like I better make some stuff happen because I, gotta, I, gotta I was the only woman in this job. There's, there's one of these people at every air operations center um, across the air force. And mm. I was the only woman and the youngest in this job. And it was a very highly regarded job in my career. Yeah. So I was like very intimidated, but I worked really hard. Again, yeah. I worked really hard and, um, and I hustled, right. And in the years that I was there uh, before I was there, the three years before I was there, they completed 15 IT projects and under me, they completed over 200 what <laughs> yeah it was just like I I just kind of took it and just ran with it and so that's when I went back into civil service and wow. um and um continued my my official military service right yeah. and um and then with the cybersecurity stuff so I finished my two master's degrees and um and I was fascinated by cybersecurity and we were putting some programs together there and um and um, this specialty squadron came out to assess our squadron in Hawaii, and um, they do do cybersecurity, right? This squadron uh, did, and they came out and and because I was the IT manager over all of the weapon systems there, um, they were assessing that system, and they kept coming back into my office because. Mm -hmm. The operators kept sending them back in there and there and I'm like hi guys you're here again how can I help you and they said well the operators just keep telling us that you know more about their systems than they do so that we should just come talk to you and um, they left and asked my commander at the time if they could offer me a job and that's wow. how I ended up in cybersecurity, helping the Air Force stand up their first type of cyber protection teams on the ground floor of that. Um, they didn't have anybody that spoke air war like I did and understood cyber. So they said, right. we need you. Can we offer you a job? And they did. And that's how I ended up here in San Antonio, Texas. And, um, and I took the challenge of that, went through Air Force Cyber School, which is honestly the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> and so, you know, gained all, a bunch more certifications and did a lot of really cool things. And then think, was that, sorry to, to jump in, but do you think that was one of the hardest challenges because 
like the material was difficult or because of, you know, like your family life and the balance or? The material was the, yeah. so hard. It, it was literally, I didn't have an IT background, remember. Right, I, right. I had a business education and an aerospace background. Yeah. So now you're asking me to convert binary to hex and to work from command line and understand how to <laughs> hack into things, right? That's not, that's not, uh, that, that's not uh, something that you just do, right? Like yeah. the people that were in my career with me, they had engineering backgrounds and, you know, IT backgrounds and all of this. And just because right. I learned how to build a server for Raytheon did not mean that I knew how to do all these things. So everything for me took three or four times as much work because I had to understand the background behind it. So everything mm -hmm. in cyber school, I had to go back and study like, well, what even is binary? I don't mm -hmm. even know what that means. It means ones and zeros, by the way. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it's a, I had to learn all of these things. So people who were in school with me that had that background, they were like, oh no, it's, that's that. I have that. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't understand that. I have to go back and read about it and my job was contingent on me passing these schools. Ooh, yeah. And so it was a big risk because my husband had already retired from the Air Force. And, you know, this was like a, a big deal. If I didn't pass yeah. these schools, I didn't have a job. So, and there aren't a lot of women in cyber, period. Like right. there's, it's not a, not a thing. <laughs> there's like <laughs> two out of every 50, you know, so. Yeah. Um, so it, it was very intimidating to think that I would be given a leadership position because of my other knowledge, but also if I couldn't pass this school, mm -hmm. uh, what would I do? And I will never forget Keith Wilson, Lieutenant Colonel at the time, I think he's way higher ranked now, but, <laughs> um, I, he, in Hawaii, he was working, uh, as the commander for the, um, technology squadron that I was working in concert with there. And I, I, before I took this job, I went into his office and we were talking and I said, you know, Colonel Wilson, can I ask you something? I said, I'm so nervous. You know, I have a master's degree in cybersecurity, but that doesn't mean that I actually understand how any of this works. And I'm so scared that I'm not going to pass these schools and that, you know, I'm not going to be able to take this new job. And I have a really good job here and I'm on top of the world. And why would I leave all this? You know, yeah. and he looked me in the eye and he said, I'm pretty sure that the Amy Weiss I know can do anything she puts her mind to. And I was like, I needed to hear that. Like, I'm getting emotional about this right yeah. now. It was a pivotal moment in my life. Like, yeah. I needed someone to tell me that. You have to remember that I was raised by um, someone who said, fix that A minus, right? Yeah. Um, so to have somebody have that vote of confidence in me, somebody yeah. that I greatly respected. Like um, somebody that, saying, you might not be remembering who you are right now, but I still know who you are. <laughs> yes. And so I definitely carry that over today as a consultant. It is so important for me, not only to be a straight shooter with people and then, yeah. and to help them and help them understand exactly where they're at and help them get to where they're going, but also to remind them that they are capable and they're powerful and that they can do anything they put their mind to. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. <laughs> so, okay. I want to, I want to back track just a little bit so you're in the air force you so you got this job you passed all your things after you had this great conversation what took you from that point 
to like turning your attention at some point to e-commerce and entrepreneurship? Like how did that transition come about? <laughs> well, my cats are um, beautiful. I have cats, three cats. My cats. I should have known it was about cats. <laughs> it's about cats. That cat, my cats. This is a 3D printing of Lulu, one of my cats. Um, designed by the same guy who designed the product I invented. Um, and who is also working with me in cyber. Um, so, you know, I, I like to say that God put all the right people in the right places for me to, for me to, to, to pivot. Um, and so I, I had, um, a problem with, I have chronic severe migraines. It's a condition where you get 15 or more migraine headaches a month. Um, and it's very severe and I, it's, it's impacted by smoke, by lights, by sounds, mm. um, everything. Um, my children, <laughs> my children are used to watching TV with the sound down. They dealt with a mom who had this condition mm. as they were growing up. So I'm very yeah. sensitive to so many things. Yeah. Um, and, and so my kids are, are very calm <laughs> for that, for that reason. But, uh, but anyways, uh, we had three cats. We we settled down in San Antonio, and this was the first time when we were not part of the military in terms of you know being on orders and having to move every couple of years. Right. So we got some more pets because we figured, well, hey, we're here, sticking around. Yeah, yeah. So we got more pets, and um, and yeah. Well, the litter box is stinky. Um, when you have more than one cat, you're supposed to have one litter box per cat. Oh, um, hey, so wait, is this common knowledge? Because I actually did not know that. Yes, it well, it is. Yeah, um, it's, <laughs> I, mean, I have dogs, so I mean that probably. It's like why I didn't it's know like that. having five. It's like having five people in a house in one bathroom. Yeah, that would not be that fun, right? Right. Um, so you know, you should have at least a couple of litter boxes for however many cats. So we we had three litter boxes for three cats, and um, and we we're cleaning them every day. And probably for a normal person, it wouldn't bother them. But for me, it was causing migraines and I did wow. not want to get rid of my pets. I didn't, yeah. it wasn't acceptable to me. I really love them. They're, they're really sweet animals and they bring me joy. And I just started thinking like, there has to be a better way. You know, honestly, we are still picking up dog turds with paper towels. Like there yeah. has to be a better way. We have not evolved on, we have toilets with heated seats. Right. We, <laughs> humans are we deal with our bathroom problems in very beautiful ways and yeah. um our really pets takes care of all of the the after effects that you don't want to deal with but pets that you're right that that is a problem that nobody continues. has evolved we're still picking yeah. up poop with a scoop but whether <laughs> it's cat whether it's scooping through cat litter or whether it's picking up dog poop we're still doing it with a scoop and i said you know what there has to be a better way yeah and so every time I would travel, um, and just so you know, Melissa, I've always done side hustles. I've always, I'm an overachiever. I get Dude, I knew that about you. Even before you ever told me that, I was like, she's got like 15 things going on. I guarantee. Yeah, I, I have always, like I started nonprofits while I was still in the military. I started selling wow. on Amazon in 2007 while I was in the military and in college. Jeez. I was just having fun, just flipping products, just whatever. I'm a busybody. Yeah. I, I can't even sit and watch a movie like without yeah. going crazy, right? So, um, so I've always had a sketchbook of ideas. I invented Pinterest, okay? Somebody else just brought it to market. <laughs> but 
anyway, it's honestly, Pinterest is drawn up in one of my binders. Um, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I've always had all these ideas. I'm a visionary, you know, and then my time as a war planner in the military helped me take visions, big, huge visions and see them played out. Right. And so I just, I've always been that way. So I'm not afraid to try to execute a big vision because that was part of my career and all of that. And the military kind of helps you not be so afraid to do things. Right. And then my journey in life, having switched so many careers, so many times I knew that I could do it. So anyways, I had this idea and I would be sketching these ideas for better litter boxes. And then one day I was like, I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and I was like, just like had this aha moment of, oh my gosh, the litter box is the problem. It's the problem. Why am I trying to invent a better litter box? It's already been done and it's the problem. And um, I woke up, started tearing apart a laundry basket that I had, dumping the litter over it and <laughs> trying to figure out if it would work. And then as soon as Home Depot opened that morning, I went to Home Depot and I asked I was like, okay, I need something that will sift. I need uh, just whatever. And I was trying to be all secretive to this poor little old man who was trying to help me <laughs> because I, you know, I I never invented anything before. So I was like, I don't want to give him my idea, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Because <laughs> poor Home Depot guy is gonna go and sell on Amazon, get a prototype. Yes, so <laughs> I brought home all this stuff and I built a prototype and dumped the litter box into it. And oh my gosh, it was amazing. Wow. It worked so well. It was so fast. It was exactly what I had imagined. And I was like, wow, wow. How in that one, I got to do something with this. I don't, but I have an MBA. Yes. I can tell you how to read Toyota's financial statements and I could, I can read Amazon's financial <laughs> statements. I can tell you how Toyota expanded internationally into Mexico. I can tell you all those things with my MBA, but I yeah. can't tell you how to take my rickety prototype and turn it into a product on the market. Right. And oh, by the way, I discovered that a lot of other people are like me. Yeah. And they're educated and they're smart and they have ideas and they have no idea how to get them to market. Yeah. And so once again, you know, you see the progression of my life and how I've always figured things out and how I've always had a yearning to learn. And I decided... I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to share it with whoever will listen. Yeah. And that is what started my entrepreneurial journey. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. I love it when, when you hear about something is based out of need, like sometimes it's like, Hey, you know, my brother told me about this or my, um, my sister started selling products and I was like, I bet I could do that. But I love this. Like, it's just so, I love the waking up at two in the morning stories, you know, like, I had this idea and then I did the thing and everything worked out. I know there's always, you know, there's bumps and ups and downs and so I'm sure Amazon suspensions and reviews and all kinds of things that, that come in the way. But I love hearing these origin stories about, you know, what first struck that entrepreneurial bone, like, because I feel like once that is fully set in and you do that for a period of time, it is very difficult to get that out of your blood. Like, I, I don't know if it's possible. I'm, I don't want to say it's impossible because then someone will be like, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, but, but I, I definitely think that's one of those things where it's like, there's entrepreneurs and there's everybody else. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, you know, we entrepreneurs get along so well. And that's why we form such strong bonds. Like I've formed stronger bonds in e-commerce 
with people like Melissa here <laughs> than I have even formed in the military with yeah. people who have signed up to die for each other if necessary. Wow. Um, and it is because of that. Like when I go to, I, I the other day I went to a, a military meetup where they had like, you know, it was just like a bunch of retired military people getting together. And, um, and I was giving more than I was taking at a meetup like that, right? Because I've done things, most of these people are like looking for jobs, stuff like that. Well, I've already been through lots of careers. I've already, you know, done that. And now I'm employing people, right? So right. it's like, a, it's a different kind of aspect. So just giving people advice and I give a lot, you know, at, at these types of events. And then when I go to an e-commerce meetup or I'm hosting an e-commerce meetup, I, I give, always yeah. give, right? But I take too. Yeah. And, um, and it's an equal give and take. And sometimes it's more take than give depending on the room around me. Uh, but it's a completely different environment right. when you surround yourself with people who also are, are dreamers and creators and not afraid to fail our failures. And, um, and yeah, it's just been, it's been an incredible leap and it's contagious. You know, people, yeah. I was at Thanksgiving dinner yesterday and meeting, um, a friend of the family and for the first time and um, and he was in the oil industry and he was just like, wow, you know, that would be so cool to do like what you're doing. And, you know, everybody wants to do their own thing. And I had to remind him, I said, yeah, but it doesn't come with a manual and it's not easy. And sometimes right. just going to work every day and getting a paycheck is easy. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. nice. If that's what your goal is, it seems nice to work on your own, but you end up being self-employed instead of being a business owner. And that's that's actually harder than working for someone else. <laughs> so 100%. And you like you work for yourself and you're the worst boss in the world. <laughs> that's <what it> says, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, exactly. There's there's a, that's another growth point that I've had even since becoming an entrepreneur. You know, I left my six-figure job in 2018, October of 2018. So it's just been over three years now. And um, and, and I'm just now growing to the point where I'm no longer, I'm getting out of being self-employed and I'm finally a business owner and, and um, employing others uh, and just sticking to the visionary stuff because I used to do everything myself and mm -hmm. I would put barriers in place to my own growth because I didn't know, you know, in my previous careers, I always looked for that mentor, mm -hmm. you know, and in this case, no mentor can, can push you past your own barriers. Like right. they can tell you that you need to let go of certain things. They can tell you you need to do things a different way and you should have coaches and you should have mentors, yeah. but only you can push past those barriers that you put in place for yourself. Right. And so I'm, and it comes from doing it as well. Like you can't, mm -hmm. this isn't something you can study your way out of, or like learn about enough that you're like, okay, I'm comfortable with it now. You have to do it while it hurts. And you can try to like read business books and stuff like that, but it's not, it's always going to be a little different for your yeah. company. It's always going to be a little different for your product. Right. Yeah. And so, and that's why people that buy into these formulas, they end up failing in most yeah. cases, unless they can take that formula and then do their own thing with it. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, it's been really fun. And that's how <laughs> I got into this is I just decided like, Hey, I want to bring this product to market and I'll regret it if I don't. And there has yeah. to be another way than just shark tank. Right. Oh yeah, of course. 
even though that's so entertaining, but I feel like that's at least half the value of that. And, and really not so much, you know, the people, they may or may not get funded, but they're, they're getting exposure on TV. So that's automatically going to get them some sales. And then, you know, like the funny thing to me is I, I actually was just at um, an event in New York and there was this amazing speaker there um, who was talking about training people, like kind of giving them coaching for being on Shark Tank and always accepting a deal every time, even if they're like, I'm not sure that when we go to sign this, this is actually going to work out. We'll have to maybe rethink this. But people have this idea that you win Shark Tank. Did you win Shark Tank? And that if you walk away with not, without a deal, then it's your idea or your product or something that was the problem and not that the terms that were presented were agreeable. Mm-hmm. So I just, I thought that was the most interesting thing. Anyway, sorry to go on a, a side note here about uh, Shark Tank, but you're, you're so right. Not only is there better ways, different ways, but there's, you know, even the way that you started, the way that I started, the way that um, some people who actually do Shark Tank or Good Morning America or some of these other things, QVC, it, there's so many different ways to come about this that you're absolutely right. There is actually no one formula that anyone can say, this is going to work out for you if you do it just like this, because even then their surroundings, their environment, their home environment might even spill over their, um, their past experience with their previous jobs and stuff. All of that is going to take some kind of a hold in their decision-making and, and the way that they respond and handle things and react and pivot. So um, yeah, I think you're totally right. So tell me, tell me about now how you, um, you had your product, your business, you're now employing people. So tell me then about your coaching and, and amazing at home and what you do now. So when I started sharing my story along the way of building my private label brands, um, I developed a small following. Um, and then I, I also had really expensive molds to pay off because my molds for, to make my product were like over $40,000. And I really, you know, I've always been, I've always been a hustler. Right. And I don't, I don't like debt. And so I just was like, I need to pay these off. And so I started copywriting and I started copywriting on Fiverr um, because I was doing wholesale Amazon for a little while. I've done retail arbitrage, I've done wholesale. And I also like, you know, did my private label, right? So I started doing wholesale on Amazon making bundles and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. I thought that was easier than retail arbitrage. And, you know, developing a product takes a long time. It's yeah. it not, it doesn't happen, especially a new, never before seen product. It's different if I'm just adding something small, like changing the handle on a cup, that's one thing, right. but I'm inventing something new, never seen before. Like I have to do everything from scratch. So that took time to do. So during that time, I knew I didn't just want to launch one product. So I wanted to learn as much as I could. I wanted to exercise like and Amazon had changed a lot since I had started. And, you know, it was like, okay, this FBA thing is new. Like, let me learn that. Let me master that. So I was doing wholesale and, um, and I was hiring people on Fiverr to write listings for me because I didn't really know about listing optimization at the time. And, um, and yeah, I hired somebody and a few different people. And I was like, you know, this is, isn't actually very good and right. I'm smart and I can figure this out, you know? And at the same time, I made friends with Andy or not who, um, who started a little software called seller SEO and him and I started a podcast together and I helped mm-hmm. him beta test his software and I learned a lot with him. And, um, and 
So I started writing my own listings and they were just amazing. Like I was selling so many things that other people were unable to sell in wholesale just because I was good at writing listings and good at finding keywords and good at SEO. So then I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to make an offer on Fiverr and I'm going to start writing listings for people on Fiverr because I'm good at this and I like it. So I did. And those people would come to me with really saturated products and I would find new keywords for them. I would turn their felt letter board into an office sign and they would sell out and people started coming back to me and go, how did you do that? Can can I consult with you? And I was like, I don't know. I don't do consulting. I I don't do that. And then after a couple of people started asking, more and more people started asking, I was like, and then people from my community, because I was teaching others listing optimization, like whatever I would learn, I would teach. I was yeah. a, I was an instructor in the military. So mm-hmm. I instructed for all those years and I've been through all these training programs. Like I know how to write training. I know how to develop training. I know how to evaluate people. So I'm good at that. I'm good at explaining it. And that's how I learn. I learn by um, learning something to the level I can teach it. So that's what I did. I just learned everything. And then I would teach it for free in my little Facebook group or whatever, <laughs> put it on YouTube. And people would be like, I can't believe you're giving this information away for free. Yeah. Can I consult with you. Can like, can I just meet with you? And so I started doing little consultations, $50 for a little consultation on Google Hangouts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, fine. I'll sit down with you and I'll show you some stuff on Amazon. I'll show you how to, you know, whatever. And I'll show you how to get on gated. I'll show you how to do all these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those people that I started helping were having mad success yeah. and they were making six figures in one month off one product. And they started telling all their friends about this Amy Weiss girl that they were consulting with and yeah. how they needed before I knew it, Melissa, I was still working at my job and I would come home from work and I would be on coaching calls, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, <laughs> nine o'clock at night, all weekend long. I'd have coaching calls. Oh my um, some of your biggest sellers were some of my first clients. Wow. Um, and <laughs> that's how I met like Christina Erdemskaya. Um, wow. So it was just crazy. Like I, I had no idea that this was going to be a thing. So I had this domain name, amazingathome.com, and I was going to just use it over the weekend because I couldn't put all my coaching and stuff on Fiverr. It was too expensive on Fiverr. Right. So I was like, yeah. okay, I got all these clients. I need a way to, I got to automate this. This is taking too long. So I just built a website over the weekend, a little text-based website, um, and used the domain name Amazing at Home. Little did I know what that would become one day, right? <laughs> but um, I, I, so people still ask me, what is Amazing at Home? Well, it's just a domain name. <laughs> I just had this domain name. I don't know. So, you know, it'd be a little did I know it was going to turn into what it has turned into. Yeah. And, um, and I, I just, I've now written thousands of listings for people. Wow. Um, I've, I've consulted uh, over at least over a thousand brands now. Um, at, every time I'm on a coaching call and I scroll through Amazon, I see other brands that I'm familiar with and have helped. I know people buy their products. Um, That's I've, amazing. I've helped people develop stuff from nothing, like from yeah. just an idea. I've helped them bring those products to market and seen them blossom. Um, and so I started a course. I started a China trip, taking people to China. You know, yeah. and just all the things that I wanted to learn. 
I learned and taught others too. And, you know, and just people have just followed along with me and I've gotten so much experience in so many different categories because of all the people that have trusted me. I don't look at it as like, Amy knows everything. I look at it as like, look at all the people who's, who have touched my life mm-hmm. by trusting me to help them in some way, shape or form, giving me experience in their category and helping us to grow together and to learn something new. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just, I can't believe it. It's been so amazing. And now I'm getting ready to sell my private label brand um, because it's, yeah, it's too much for me. I, I didn't expect um, to start amazing at home. I didn't expect like... I, I didn't expect any of this and it's, um, it's too much to, uh, manage a private label and, um, to run, a a, a large agency and, um, it's, it's too much for me. So I need to let, uh, let my private label go so that I can be continue to be a piece and a part of so many. Uh, I also want to learn the venture capital side of things. I really want to become an nice. angel investor. I'd like to have my yeah. own incubator one day. Um, and, um, and there's just so much more to do. There's, there's so much more to do. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's cool. I'm just following, I'm following the journey. And so the next step is to sell my private label so that I can focus more on, um, the next step, which is just becoming a little piece of so many other investing in so many other businesses. And, um, and yeah, I'm learning crypto now as well. And that's I, a lot of fun. I've been seeing that. I love, I love watching that. And I know anything that you're like, if you're picking something up, you are going to learn it until <laughs> it's <is> known. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I, I'm getting a good understanding because Amy's on the, <laughs> she's on the, the case. <laughs> That's right. Yep. I'm going to share whatever, whatever I learned. So, yeah. you know, but yeah, it's just been, a, it's been a wild ride and, and I just love it. I love helping other people. I love having had the journey myself, you know, and, um, and I can't wait to see what's next. Oh, I love that. I just love that so much. And, you know, it's, it makes so much sense to me for you that, you know, you are letting go of the private label and keeping the people first, you know, business of the two. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of other people who would choose to do that the different way around, you know, they would um, change things up. But I, I know, you know, I know you, I know what a wonderful, you know, resource and light you are in people's life and how, you know, how you bring value just, just by being there, being present and telling people what might benefit them. Like, and, and for you, I think it may not even be, um, it's not a high cost, right? You're just sharing something that you also learned. Maybe it will help the person you're talking to. And for that person, it it can be life-changing. So I think, I mean, I, I can definitely see knowing you as I do, why you would choose the, uh, the agency rather than the private label. But I am, you know, I'm proud of you for everything that you've done. I love watching you and your progress. And I, I'm always like, what is she going to do next? This is going to be fun and exciting to see. <laughs> so you know, we only get this one life. So when I look at it, I could either, you know, with private label, a lot of the things that a lot of people don't understand is if you stop growing that private label, it's going to die, right? You have to keep growing and scaling, um, or you need to sell wherever you're at. And then, you know, so for me, the choice was, um, do I put more time and effort into growing this bigger than it already has become? Or do, am I better off growing lots of little, using my expertise and experience to help lots of brands and being part of those brands? I can do more 
with lots of brands at once and being a part of those financially and backing those financially, then I can run lots of companies at once instead right. of putting all my time and effort into one. Um, and, you know, so I, I would love to, to do that. And that's kind of the way that I, that I look at it. Yeah. I love it. It's amazing. And I, I, again, I'm always in awe of just, you know, even when I was uh, introducing you at the very beginning of this and just going over, you know, all the many different areas of expertise that you have, it truly is staggering. Um, and, and I know, you know, I introduce a lot of people for podcasts or for speaking on different stages and stuff like that. And it is always, you know, I, I have so much to choose from when I'm introducing you, which, which one am I going to say today? She's, you know, five or 10 or 15 of these many, many potentially hundreds of things that you have learned, grown in, you know, had expertise in to the point where you can teach it. Like I, I truly feel, and I think that this is true about you, that when you want to learn something, you learn it so well that you could teach it to somebody else, right? That's the best way to learn it, learn it, do it, teach it, right? <laughs> Yeah. And um, so anyway, I, I just admire that so much about you and I love watching you grow. So I'm excited to see what is next for you as well. And I really want to thank you today for joining me and sharing your story with everyone. I hope that it brings them some inspiration as it has for me. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun to reminisce about yeah. some of these details because, you know, we cover a lot of stuff on different podcasts and I love talking about PPC or shipping or, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about. I love diving yeah. deep, but it's sometimes fun just to reminisce about, uh, about where you've come from and yeah. what, what it is that makes you who you are. And hopefully it's inspiring to someone else to do the same. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much again. And we will see all of you guys next week with our next guest. Um, thank you for watching us on Amaze on Stream and we'll see you next week.